I think it is important for us to make sure that moving forward, any economic plan that we put in place helps uh, businesses to meet payroll so that we're not seeing these kinds of circumstances again. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Laura Conaway. This is Monday, December 8th. It's about 4.58 p.m. here in New York City. Today we're kicking off a new theme. It's about the terrible consequences of small choices. We are going to be talking about how lots and lots of people making small choices, minor choices. Maybe I'll invest in this instead of that. Maybe I'll put off buying a suit jacket for another few weeks can add up to huge, huge problems like a recession uh, that we're going to be looking at all this week, including a special look today at the impact on the world of fashion. Adam, first of all, can you give us a Planet Monday indicator? My indicator today is 1936. Okay. That is the year that John Maynard Keynes wrote his magnum opus, The General Theory of Employment, Interest, and Money. I've been trying to crack it and read it now because yesterday with President-elect Barack Obama uh, announcing a massive or, well, announcing plans Big. to hope for yeah. a massive government spending plan to kickstart this economy, uh, Planet Money's Alex Bloomberg and I have been saying, is Keynesianism back. Mm -hmm. People said that John Maynard Keynes, who's sort of the economist, to, uh, the theoretician to come out of the Great Depression, um, a man who many people thought, you know, his, his ideas were kind of beaten up and, and left for, for dead in the late 70s. He is, he, his influence seems to have had a huge resurgence. So that's going to be something we're going to be looking a lot at. John Maynard Keynes and why he matters now and is President-elect Barack Obama. Alex Bloomberg had a really interesting idea, which maybe he'll be bad at me for being the first one to say, but he's like, maybe this is the first Keynesian president because FDR, wow. who's so closely associated with Keynes, was not a Keynesian. He, in fact, FDR's biggest decisions happened before Keynes wrote his magnum opus. So is Barack Obama the first fully Keynes? Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll look into all of that. But uh, that, that's, our, um, that's our indicator for today. I want to get in there at some point and look at the, the um, disagreement among economists about whether FDR's plans actually saved the country during the Great Depression or made the Great Depression longer. I, this is a very hotly debated issue right now and a fascinating one. I mean, I think all of us grew up with a relatively simplistic, can I say, idea that, you know, FDR came to power in 1933, solved all the world's problems through his forceful actions. And I heard a wonderful interview with Eric Rauschway, friend of Planet Money, but I heard the interview on uh, Econ Talk, which is a, another great podcast. Um, and, and he really laid out how what a complicated mix of good economics and bad economics and politics and back-scratching FDR's plans were. Anyway, we, we'll, that, that's for another day, though. Um, I want to just mention a few quick news items. Uh, you know, Wall Street seems to love the idea that President-elect Obama plans to spend a fortune. Caterpillar stock went up. Cater even GM and Ford went up. Also on news that Congress is very close to a $15 billion auto bailout. This is... Uh, 
Not everything Detroit wanted for sure, and and we'll try and get more on that. Um, Tribune Company filing for bankruptcy. This is um, for a lot of our friends. It's bad news. Yeah, around the country in the newspaper business. It's very upsetting, uh, not terribly surprising. Um, I was interested that John Thane of Merrill Lynch was rumored to be demanding $10 million bonus, even though this is the worst year ever for Merrill Lynch and the company almost went out of business. I'm going to try that. Although, you know, I did see one thing that said his argument was, hey, it would have been a lot worse without me. At least the company still exists, although it's being sold. But um, he will not get that bonus. He met with the board and they said, no, you don't get it. So last week, we asked for your stories about choices you've been making in this troubled economy. How have you changed your spending habits, your saving habits, your hiring habits, if you're in a position to hire people, your job-looking habits, whatever? So we're going to be playing tape from some of your responses and blogging them at npr.org slash money. The first up is a woman named Bronwyn Stein who lives in Brooklyn. She works in Manhattan, and she turns out to be kind of a lot like me at least, Adam, with regard to her pocketbook. There's a little bit of a point of pride when I, if I can come home on Friday and say, you know what, I didn't, I didn't spend anything while I was doing my normal routine. I didn't, I didn't spend cash. You know, I, I bought groceries that week, and of course, I paid my mortgage and I paid the utilities and whatnot. Um, but I, it, I do feel kind of good if I haven't spent anything. Bronwenstein so happens to be a long-lost friend from when our kids used to play together on the same playground in the park. We figured that out about halfway through the interview. That's funny. I would think if I knew a Bronwyn Stein, I would know it You'd was remember Bron- that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never yeah. knew her last name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, she is the kind of person who is, well, let's just call a spade a spade. She, like you, is the kind of person who's destroying the U.S. economy. We are responsible, yes. <laughs> yes. It's very frustrating. And, and one person she's driving crazy is uh, our next guest. Everyone in our office and actually in our entire office building has been all abuzz. Um, so, so this morning I was saying to everyone on Planet Money, I really want to get scenes from a recession. I want to find business people who are struggling with the recession. I was like, all right, I got to figure out how I'm going to find some. And then I get to the office and our wonderful Agnes, the receptionist, tells me, have you heard about the sale? It's, uh, there, there's lots of cheap clothes on sale downstairs. And we went downstairs and I ran into a friend of a friend of mine, uh, Eric Hansen, who runs Moda America, a wholesaler that sells lots of high fashion um, lines like Angaro and uh, DKNY Black Label and something I can't pronounce. Stuff we can't usually get. And it was really cheap. We went down there. It was so cheap. And he started telling me why he was selling suits for $100 and dress shirts for $20. And I said, Laura, let's get a microphone. Let's let's get this on tape. In this room, there are hundreds of suits, or dozens anyway. In this room, there are probably uh, 500 suits. Overall, in our, our uh, showroom, we have about 3,000 units of clothing of stock. Um, that's only a minor part of what we have in the warehouse that we need to sell off. Let's let's get the prices here, because yeah. all right, these suits, a hundred bucks. Yeah, the the the, the our suits are a hundred dollars. Um, we that is a, a minor amount above what we what it costs us 
to make them. It's, it's, if you want to know, it would probably cost us $60 to make the suit. We're selling it here for $100. Um, we have to. We can't sell it to the retail sector because no one's taking on any clothing right now. So I want to just get, understand the economics of this. So, so every season, before every season, what is it like a? Is it a couple months before the season? Five months? Normally, uh, the larger order is placed between six and seven months prior to ship the shipping window. Only for the reason that we need to buy the fabric and we need to have the product made. It's normally made in a different countries, so there's there, all the lead times are involved in the shipping. The shipping also the transport of the goods back and forth. So normally, is about six months. So uh, Macy's or uh, Neiman Marcus or whatever will call and s- will come in and say, okay, we like this suit, that suit, that suit. We like those shirts. We'll yep. order $200,000 worth. Yep. Basically, they, they have history and they know what, what sells well. You know, what's the first sign? Is it the first call from a, supl- from a buyer saying, oosh, remember we said we were going to buy 100 suits? We only want 40 suits. You know, these, these buyers can do it in multiple ways. They can just say, this is what we're doing. We are not taking in these goods, and if they don't take in the goods, you're kind of stuck because you need them, and you know that they can't sell it. So they'll come in and say, you know, uh, we are not buying uh, these goods, or we are cutting down our orders to such and such. Now, you would you? I mean, six months earlier, you had sat down with them and said, so you're going to take a thousand suits, yes. and then they can come to you later after you've made the suits and say, remember, we said we we're going to take a thousand, we're only going to take five hundred. They can do pretty much whatever they want. There's no contract that forces them? There's, there's, there's no signing of contracts when you're doing this. It's, it's like a gentleman's agreement. I don't know how else to say it. Um, but basically, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're in the, the clothing business, it's basically as if you're renting space on the floors of the department stores and, in the, and even the, the better independents now. Where if you're not selling, they expect you to do something. They expect you to meet their margins. They expect you to take goods back. So it's it's become when the mar- when the, when the economy falters a bit, it gets worse and worse. Um, where they where they really are dictating your your business uh, and whether you're a survivor or not uh, based on their needs. So how overstocked are you right now? How much do you have that you need? you wouldn't normally have on hand yeah we're probably overstocked uh we're we're a uh a 13 to 14 million dollar company as of last year in in the united states uh so we're we are probably overstocked uh about a million dollars so uh i'm assuming that i mean that eats through your profit margin um we we're 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 basically all of a sudden because of the october and november selling in in the retail sector we're we're basically uh uh it's almost day to day or week to week um it's kind of scary i mean it's life or death uh for us here yeah uh what happens is that the retailers are getting overstocked with goods so they need to trim the goods once they trim goods it comes back falls on us what do we do with the goods we get stuck so, so how does it, you come to work? I mean, today's Monday, so you had a weekend. You come to work. Is it how does this? Is it once a week you get a cancellation of an order? Is it every hour you're getting phone calls? Yeah, I, I, re, I realized the cancellations and the cutbacks in the order really started uh, about three weeks ago when people saw their October selling and they noticed they weren't getting any better in um, in in November, uh, December, they started to cut back and push their orders to January. So if there's a uh, if they have replenishment or if they have goods that are coming in, in in December, they push it to January. That doesn't help us because we need to make money. And basically, um, they've really cut back. They've been cutting back all along 
for the last six months. But they, this is really where they've kind of stopped uh, orders. And you're get, do they call you? Do they fax you? Do they email you? No, these, these, are, these are calls or, or an email or a call. And is it like, sorry, man, I feel bad, or is it just, sorry, no, no. Yeah, you know, it's uh, due to the nature of the, let me try to recite one of the emails, due to the... Can we go look at it? <laughs> yeah, do you want to see it? Yeah. yeah. It's really kind of funny. <laughs> okay. I know we touched base last week regarding spring, and based upon current and projected near future spring 09 business conditions... My management has, has revised our tailored clothing financial plans downward rather dramatically, so much to the point where we will not be able to take in all of the goods reserved for spring 09 season. Below you will find a schedule which indicates the styles, qual- quantities, and time frame which I would like the plan uh, to consume them. Should business conditions improve, I would like to, of course, expedite the receipts. If an opportunity should arise and you had a chance to sell the goods we are pushing out, we would fully encourage that. So that means, once again, we're stuck with goods. You know, basically, they're not going to take it in. So uh, this particular company booked 1,000 units of suits, um, uh, one style of 350 pieces, another style of 350 pieces they're not taking in, and then the other style of 350 pieces they're pushing out to the fall. So it basically leaves us in a position, you know, this is happening with all of our uh, 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 retail partners where if they keep doing this, you know, this, we can't make money. We can't survive because we have no, no place to make money. If you're not selling goods, then it's, uh, um, then we're done. Um, uh, this is a, another funny comment. Not really funny, but um, just the word that he used uh, and uh, which was depression. So let me, uh, I realize this is not good news, and news which I do not enjoy delivering, but honestly, I'm asking all of my vendors to make sacrifices headed into spring. With the business seemingly headed into a prolonged state of depression. Wow. And we won't say who, but it's a well-known national. It's a large, yeah, yeah, well-known national department store. Out of the... Uh, this is a spreadsheet with your sales? Yeah, this is a spreadsheet with my sales. Out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven larger department stores we sell, um, one, two, three of them have pushed out orders uh, to the fall or even later in the spring. Um, we can't survive with just three of them. We, it's hard to pay the bills. We've let a couple of people go. may have to let more go. We have to get a smaller space if we can even continue. Um, it is not good. Wow. So how are you, do you look at that with a, is your stomach just churning when you look at that spreadsheet? I, uh, I used to look at it every day, but now I don't. I can't. Because uh, it just reminds me of how bad things are. So I just try to get my day-to-day work done and uh, get the people here uh, that are in the office uh, basically uh, excited and, and try to keep everyone happy and try to, uh, try to maintain some resemblance of a positive attitude here, which is not easy. Well, thank you to Eric Hansen of Moda America. I, I don't know if that's sales still going on, but 
Um, How many suits did you end up buying, Adam? Three. Three I'm, suits for $300. My dad pretty, came and bought two. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a wrap for Planet Money for today. Yeah, let's take our clothes and go home. Keep in touch with us on the blog, npr.org slash money. I'm Laura Conaway. And I'm Adam Davidson. Thank you for listening. <laughs>